On today's episode of Hungry for Wisdom, what is it about people that makes commands from God seem no more authoritative than ideas from our idiot buddies? We look around the world only to discover what is right in front of us, and I once heard a guest on the Jerry Springer show yelling, you don't know me, so you can't judge me. True, but God does know you, and he can judge you, so let me help you out of that. It's episode 67. Turn it up! Oddly enough, we both just like reflexively went into these teeny bopper dances. That was weird. Oh man, I had like a, I was doing the whole Linus, you know, from uh, from uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, yeah. He's going back and forth, <laughs> rocking back and forth. I was wondering why you brought a blanket into the studio today. Well, you know, I'm going to drop it at some point. <laughs> Show the faith. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a a callback. Yeah. All right. Episode 67 is lovingly dedicated to Ben's Bibles. Now, I've done one. I've dedicated an episode in the early days of Hungry for Wisdom to Ben Van Noy over at Ben's Bibles. And the reason was because he was the kind of nationally recognized artiste of the Bible-covering world. When I needed my Bible rebound, um, I, uh, I called up the book binderies and interviewed them. And I was like, all right, what are you going to do with my Bible? Because it was a very special Bible to me, you know, still is. And I wanted to make sure they were going to do with it exactly what I wanted. I wasn't satisfied with any of those guys because I'm a judgmental jerk and I can find the flaw in anything. But when I talked to Ben at, ben, at Ben's Bibles dot whatever it is, dot org, I think, um, I was like, yeah, this is the guy. I watched some of his videos and I was like, this is the guy. Well, sad news, he's not taking on private clients anymore. Because he can make a lot more money, I think, just going up on an Etsy shop and uh, cranking out his masterpieces, not according to custom orders, and then he doesn't have to deal with you know people like me all the time. Like, no, I want three bookmarks, and I want this one to be that color, or whatever. He can just put these magnificent Bibles up there, and people will buy them. So he's moving that direction. So I am the last, is what he told me at least, I am the last private client he was ever going to take. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. But I already had a Bible on deposit with him, and so he finished it for me and sent it back to me, and it was glorious but now the way that he's doing his bible rebinds and his bible covers is uh recovers is he's just putting them up on etsy so you go to etsy e-t-s-y think so sure yeah etsy.com or whatever where the people do the diy art stuff you can find all, all kinds of cool things you look up ben's bibles and you can get one of his bibles there now you're gonna you're gonna shell out for it we're talking a 450 dollar bible here or something like that but you're also going to pass it down to your great-great-grandkids, yeah. right? These things are bulletproof, and they, uh, they just fit. The last one he, that he sent me, the second one that he did for me, and it's like so treasured to me because it's the last one that I got, I got in just at the end, yep. you know? Shark leather. Oh, yeah. oh man. Shark leather. You know, I, I love a good. I love it when you can open up a, a well-crafted Bible yep. and just have the feel. Right, you know, I, I've got one in elk skin that just, I just love it, man. Oh, I love elk. holding it in my hands. Mm-hmm. It's such a great one. So, yeah, good. The elk is, like, squishy. It's like yeah. it's like tough, but absorbent leather. Like, it'll yeah. absorb the shock. I, I want a blanket made out of it. Like, I want elk mm. leather on one side of the blanket and then, like, fleece on the inside. Oh, man. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, Ben's Bibles on Etsy. Go get some. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, we're just reminding each other of things in the studio. No problem. What we're doing today, 
is uh, we are doing part four of our basics of Christianity thing um, in terms of, you know, what Christians actually believe about some primary doctrines, right? So we've got, we, we decided to break this up into kind of the classic four categories. It's God, man, Christ, response. So the first episode of season four, we did who is God, which, you know, is not an obvious answer. The Bible's got some very specific information about that. It's like God is like this. He's not like that. And so we just dug into that. And then the second one was who is man? What does it mean to be human? What's it all about to exist? And even like what's the meaning of life? Now, we're not really smart enough to address these questions, but thankfully God spoke baby talk to us and he wrote it in a book that we could just read and understand and quote and explain and stuff like that. So uh, the last episode we did last week was who is Christ? And again... Not as obvious as it might seem, you know? I mean, when it comes to who is Jesus, there's there's new answers being made up all the time. And every time there's a new one, it makes the cover of some magazine or something, right? So today is going to be the last one in this series. And it's, what is the proper response to all this stuff? So we got God, man, Christ, response. What is the proper response to this information? Now, spoiler alert, uh, the response is turn away from everything that is not God and believe in him as he has been revealed. So we would say repent and believe, right? But we're just going to go into what exactly that means because even these words have been jacked up by people like the the sandwich board crowd, the megaphone crowd, repent! And what they mean by that is, you know, like, I don't like you and so you should be more like me and you should dress like me and you should yeah. talk like me and you should write your sandwich boards like me. And that's that's not what repent means. It doesn't mean conform to my image. It, it, it means something very specific, and it's actually part of the good news. Repentance isn't something that we have to like make people okay with. I mean, some people aren't because some people don't love God, right? But it's it's actually part of the good news. So we're going to get into all of that. What does it mean to believe and everything like that? First, though, let us hear an example of belief in the wonderful, the magnanimous Valley of Vision. Valley of Vision. Okay, we'll be reading from the the Awakened Sinner. O forgetful soul, awaken from thy wandering dream. Turn from chasing vanities. Look inward, forward, upward. View thyself. Reflect upon thyself who and what thou art. Why here? What thou must soon be. Thou art a creature of God, formed and furnished by him, lodged in a body like a shepherd in his tent, Dost thou not desire to know God's ways? O God, thou injured, neglected, provoked benefactor, when I think upon thy greatness and thy goodness, I am ashamed at my insensibility. I I blush to lift up my face, for I have foolishly erred. Mm. Shall I go on neglecting thee, when every one of thy rational creatures should love thee, and take every care to please thee? I confess that thou hast not been in all my thoughts, that the knowledge of thyself as the end of my being has been strangely overlooked, that I have never seriously considered my heart need. But although my mind is perplexed and divided, my nature perverse, yet my secret dispositions still desire thee. Let me not delay to come to thee, Break the fatal enchantment that binds my evil affections and bring me to a happy mind that rests in thee. For thou hast made me and canst not forget me. Let thy spirit teach me 
the vital lessons of Christ, for I am slow to learn. And hear thou my broken cries. Dude, so much of that is just like, I feel like it's my daily experience. Yeah. Man, and beautiful English. Yeah, it is. It's very poetic, but again, there's it's wonderful when you can, you're, they're inspiring prayers, right? They lift the soul. That cutting question in there. Should I not give you your due? I'm paraphrasing. Should I not yep. give you your due when every other one of your rational creatures makes it its life's mission to call out the glory yeah. of God? The heavens declare the glory of God. Yeah. Inanimate objects have more sense than I do based on my previous actions. <laughs> oh, gosh. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Point game match. All right. So let's do some quick review. Who is God? Right? We're just going to set up all this whole thing. Like, what's the proper response to God? So who is God? We went over... Uh, God is the um, supreme being, the uncreated creator. And as creator, he has what Ben called creator rights. Yep. Which, by uh, I forgot to do it again. I'm here with the Bearded Beaver, Pastor Ben. Hello, Pastor Ben. How are you today? Good to see you, sir. It is good to be here. Excellent. So God is the creator with creator rights, which means he's the boss. He's the Lord. He gets to decide what happens, and his creation is to rightly respond to that authority. Also, eternal. And we explained that it was important that God is eternal because, um, I yeah I don't know I, I was yeah. I was trying to riff because I was just like I was trying to remember exactly what we said, whatever. Well, we'll just say it freshly then. Yeah, well, he had no being, right? So there's no that he he himself didn't have a creator, and he exists outside of time. He he's the one that made time. So there's a there's a sense of you know obviously he is not like us. And as we, as you know, we talk about holiness, that numbers, that's what there it we was. go, holiness, yep. Yeah, holiness, God is, he, he is in a different category of existence than us, he's not bound by the same uh, restrictions and, and, you know, like laws of science, for example, like all that stuff fits in his hand because he is before it and after it and over it in the meantime. So, um, God is holy, he is eternal, he is creator, he is Lord. All right. Then we talked about who is man or what is man. Man is, in some ways, the opposite of those descriptions, right? We are not (laughs) in charge of everything, though we do have decision-making authority that he has delegated to us. Mm -hmm. Um, Man is, and by man we mean mankind, so all of the human race. We are temporary. Mm -hmm. We are the creature or the creation, which means we naturally have to answer to our creator. And we also saw that man is fallen. Pastor Ben, give us a definition of what we, we meant when we said that man is Fallen. When we think of man being fallen, we think of man being created in the image of God with with dignity, value, worth, and purpose, and yet rejecting that God. We reject Him. We, we when you know way back in Genesis chapter three, our our four parents Adam and Eve they rejected God's rule over le- their life. They decided they wanted to become like God, and so they said, "Okay, we'll do what we want. We want to judge for ourselves what is good and what is evil." And so the 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 idea that I'm no longer accountable. Uh, There's this false notion that we're no longer accountable Mm -hmm. to God. So we we reject his rule. We reject his authority over our lives. And so we're we're fallen by by treaty. We have our our four parents declared war on God. So guess what? We are at war with God. Um, We also are fallen sinners by nature. There's a corruption. So even our best motives have an have some aspect of the corruption of the original sin. And then finally, we are also our sinners by action or choice. We, we will, we'll sin. You know, yeah. we, we prove it 
Haters Every gonna day. hate, sinners gonna sin. Sinners are gonna sin. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, cool thing is, we if we are in Christ, and we'll talk about what that means again today, even though we we, we touched on it in the you know the Who is Christ section, mm-hmm. but we are sinners if you look at our track record. But through Christ, we're not seen as sinners. We're not counted as sinners. Or Psalm yeah. 103 would say our sins are not counted against us. Yeah. And so though we're sinners by our resume or by our, by the legal demands against us, mm-hmm. we're not in a position of being sinners before God if we are covered in Christ. So we got mm-hmm. God, we got man. Now who's Christ? What is the significance of Christ? I'll just start with that title. We were talking about Jesus here, and Christ is the title that is kind of the Greek equivalent of the old testament word messiah which means he's the one that god promised to send in order to fix all of these problems that we've caused separated us from god so man is separated from god by sin but we're reunited to god through christ through the messiah through god's problem solver who is is um the only one who could have possibly fixed this problem and so it turns out that the christ the messiah when he showed up we he ended up being named jesus when when he was born but he's actually the eternal son of God as well. And so being the son of God, he has the nature of God. He is God. And we've got this God who is father, son, and Holy Spirit all within himself. This is God, the son that shows up and reunites man to God. So when he takes on human flesh, what's happening here is he's laying one hand on humanity and one hand on divinity and connecting the two because God and man come together in Jesus. So God, man, and Christ is the intermediary between the the um, the uh, advocate between the two of us. The, the the theological word is priest, right? So he can speak to man on behalf of God because he's God, and he can speak to God on behalf of man because he's man. So he is the link. I don't think we said this in the episode, but uh, Tony Evans gave a, gave a great illustration of this once, where he said, if you look at uh, mayonnaise, everybody's favorite food. Ugh, it's, I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't mind mayo, like it's good on a sandwich or whatever, but it's kind of gross when you just look at it, right? Uh, so if you, I left it in the sun too long one time, it will literally grow hair. Mm. How does something grow hair without hair follicles? I don't mm. understand it. But if you're listening to this in the car, please uh, pull over before so you <laughs> roll down your window to minimize cleanup. So he says, if you look at if you look at mayonnaise, then what that is is oil, certain kinds of oil, and it's water, and it's all mixed together. But oil and water don't mix; these two things are repelled by each other. So how do we get these things to mix? He says, you drop egg whites in the middle of it, and that's called an emulsifier. And what an emulsifier does is it pulls in both parties and makes them one homogenous unit. So the egg white pulls in the oil, and it pulls in the water, and the two can interact only if the egg white is there. Jesus is kind of the emulsifier between God and man. We are naturally and by nature opposed to each other. His holiness is opposed to our sinfulness. Our sinfulness is opposed to his holiness. So Jesus comes in, and we can, and, and God and man can meet in, in him. That's why he's described as the true temple or, you know, things like that. So um, so Christ is the one who connects a holy God to sinful man. Yep. Now today, what is the proper response to this information? On Resurrection Sunday, I, I closed our uh, sermons with um, a series of questions. You know, do you believe that Jesus actually existed? All right. If so, do you believe what the Bible says about him dying on a cross? All right. Yeah. Like as a historical fact, do you think that actually happened? Yeah, I think that happened. I believe that. Okay. When he died for our sins, or when he died and he said he was dying for our sins, do you believe that it actually worked? Do you think that counts for you, that God applied that death to your sin? And if so, do you believe he rose from the dead afterwards like he said that he did, like God's word says that he did? Do you believe what this is telling you? And if you believe that, now what do you do? 
Yeah. And that's where we're at today. What's the proper response to this stuff? So we're going to hit you guys with, with two concepts, two proper responses, which is really one kind of action. It's two sides of the same coin. And I'll tell you the words up front, and then we'll get into each one. The first word is faith, and the second word is repentance. And you're going to hear this a lot in, um, in, in you know, explanations of Christianity. Faith and repentance. So faith is what you believe or who you trust, right? And then repentance is the actions that follow that trust. We want to be really careful not to get these in the wrong order. And sometimes the Bible will mix, you know, mix these things up and, and I don't mean mix it up like screw it up. I just mean the order will change. Peter will say, repent and believe, you know, or repent and be baptized, right? Um, You know, things like that. So he'll put the repentance first. But we know if we read the whole Bible that though he said that first, like, hey, repent right now and then respond in faith. Really, what what has to happen first is we got to trust Jesus in order to turn away from from other things to repent to him. So let's talk about faith first. What is faith? Faith. For for our purposes today, I'm going to use the terms faith and trust interchangeably. It's it's to trust. It's to lean on some thing, or in this case, somebody, and trust that it can support you, that he can hold your weight, or that he can, um, uh, in Second Timothy one language, uh, entrust what you have, or he can guard what you have entrusted to him. And so, if you give your eternal well being and your day to day well being, you trust God with your eternal life and with your day to day life. If you trust him with that, you are, or if you give that to him, you are trusting that he can hold it safe, that, that your eternity and your, your daily life is safe in the hands of God, and it's safer than it would be if you were your own God and running your own life. Trust. Yep. That sounds good. Reminds me an awful lot of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse, verse 1, right? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. There is... There is an aspect of, of trust and reliance and resting in things that we look forward to. We're hoping for it. We're hoping for it. And also there's a conviction that, yes, these things are realities, even though I do not necessarily see them with my eyeballs. Yeah, right, right, right. right. And that, that Hebrews 11.1 definition is, is interesting to me because I think a lot of times we misunderstand that. I'm really glad you brought that up because um, so many times I hear Christians defining what faith is and they don't, they don't know. They just quote that verse, which is yeah. a very confusing verse the way it's worded, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I had this weird moment with a lot of Christians where it's like, okay, like if I'm teaching a class, like, what is faith? And they say, oh, see, uh, evidence of things hoped yeah. for, the conviction of things not seen. It's like, okay, what does that mean? And then they're like, uh, they either don't know or they yeah. fill it in with whatever they think anyway, to, yeah. regardless of what that says. Or maybe they haven't read the entire chapter when, we tell, when, the, <laughs> when the author's actually going through and saying, hey, these are what these people were hoping in. This is what right. they, were prom- they, but, they were addressing the promises of God. Exactly. So I'm going to have you read that again. And yeah. now listen, listen to this, not as a definition of what faith is, but as a description of how it looks. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look here at what faith is here in a second. But this is a, a description of how faith operates in our life. Go ahead. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Okay. So if you have faith, then the thing that you hope happens, like, hey, when I die, I hope I go to heaven. I hope there's eternal life. When you have faith, there's an assurance that comes along with that. That like, yes, that is not just something I hope is out there. That's my future. That's my destiny. That's what faith looks like. That's like a diagnostic of somebody who has faith. And the second half was... The assurance of things not seen, right? Was it conviction? The conviction of conviction things not Conviction of things not seen. Not yeah. seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Meaning, we'll stand by our beliefs on this, yeah. right? If I, if I have faith in Christ, I, have, I hold a conviction. I think that's a really good translation. I hold a conviction that these things are true. 
Yeah. And I'm to the point where I'm willing to sacrifice for it. Right. To which, and when 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 we get into the different when we get into the uh, not only faith but repentance, right? That there is a necessary result at. That comes from faith. Yep. It's not, and and I'm sure we'll be talking about it all over the place. You know, you can see in the book of James where someone says, "Oh, I have faith," and James is like, oh, "Yeah, right. Yeah, you have right. faith. What, okay, where's the works?" Now, the, the danger part of that is we can we can read that in a particular mindset instead of going. James is saying, "No, if you have faith, as we just as we as we talk about it, it's going to result in something. If you have the, I always talk about this with my kids. I said, if you have the disease, you're going to manifest manifest the symptoms. Yep. If you've got a cold, there are certain things that are going to happen. The sniffles are going to happen. If you have the flu, then a fever is going to happen. We talked about this with, even with the pandemic. There were particular symptoms that were telling of a particular of a particular disease. Yeah, that like when you didn't have any symptoms, that was a symptom, man. I'm so far off the rails right now. You are real. <laughs> but the point is, is was it, that not the dumbest thing you've ever heard? But actually, you hear the same thing in Christianity, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, no, I'm 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 completely free because I trust Jesus, and so I'm free to do whatever I want because God has forgiven me. And they go and act in anti-Christ manners, yeah. and it's like the lack of response is not yeah. the same thing as a response. Yeah. I mean, I think, oh gosh, I think it was Paul Washer that told us basically gave this analogy. Like, if you got hit by a truck, you would know. That you got hit by a truck. Yeah, you would walk with a limp. You would walk with a limp or there would be evidence of you being yeah. hit by a truck. And in the same idea, when when the truck of faith <laughs> comes and hits us, there is going to be a necessary result. Jesus, take the wheel. Funk. Yeah. Let's, maybe not bring Miss Underwood into this. But yeah. Yeah. So. so, okay. John chapter six. Uh, Jesus has been doing all these uh, these miracles, and yes. one of them is he feeds th- thousands of people with a Lunchable. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, okay, some kid's walking ar- along with a little bit of bread and a couple of fish. I'm going to go ahead and feed a stadium, right? That's a miracle. <laughs> that is a- that's, that's noteworthy. So the people are yeah. following him. And uh, the, he he tried to go away and like I think probably like get some rest or something just like take a nap. People wouldn't let him do it. And so verse twenty five of John six it says when they found him on the other side of the sea, <laughs> dude literally crossed a sea to get away from them, and they were just like let's run around. So when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And he's like, Well, I came here when I tried to get away from you. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. <laughs> verse twenty six. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you. You are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Okay, let's break it down. Break it, break it, break it down. So Jesus here does some miracles, and they say, this is great, we're going to go and follow him. He calls him out, and he says, you're not following me because you actually trust me. You're following me because I did something that was beneficial to you. What you're showing me right now is not faith that leads to eternal life. So then he redirects them and says, it's not about the bread. It's not about the fish. Like, I, I pointed, this is metaphorical, I, I pointed and said multiply, and you're so fascinated with the finger that I pointed with that you're missing the person yep. that owns the finger. Yep. So he's like, look at me. Eternal life is not in my miracles. The, the miracles are a sign that eternal life is in me. So if he can, I could say it this way. If he can multiply bread and fish into, you know, into infinity, yeah. how much could he multiply this tiny life that you and I have? Yeah. He could multiply it into infinity, into eternity. So he's redirecting their attention away from the physical 
uh, signs that he did and towards the spiritual truths that they point to. And he says, I want you to, to follow not the miracle, but that. Follow that. Follow eternity. And the way he says that is, is kind of confusing for us at first as Protestants, right? He says, work for the food that endures to eternal life. Now, at that point, it's like, if somebody else said that other than Jesus, we'd be like, heresy, you don't work for eternal life. But he was, he was goading them. He was leading them on, right? Mm-hmm. He says, no, you work for that. So then verse 28, they said, how, right? So what must we do to be doing the works of God? Now listen to his answer. This is the work of God. Verse 29. So if, if you guys need this, if you want this tattooed backwards on your forehead, here it is, John six twenty nine. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So he's got him hanging on that comma. This is the work of God, comma. Whatever he says next is what's going to get you into heaven, right? This is what's going to make you acceptable to God. This work that I'm about to mention is what it takes to respond to God in a way that is pleasing to him. What is it? This is the work of God, comma, believe. Well, wait a second. Belief isn't a work. Like, trust isn't a work, which doesn't mean it doesn't take any like effort on our end because trust can be hard sometimes because we're selfish and cynical and whatever. But trust is when you stop working, right? Mm-hmm. It's when it's when you you trust someone else to do what you're supposed to be doing. And so it's like, I, I can't do the works of God. Yeah, He's like, exactly. Believe in Jesus whom God has sent to do these works on your behalf, to fil- fulfill the law on your behalf. So Jesus says the work of God is to believe. Yeah. But he also does say work for the you know the bread that, that goes into eternal life. So we are supposed to pursue, now there's action involved and so on, we're supposed to pursue this faith, live a life of faith and so on. That's what you're talking about now with, where James comes in and says, yeah, this faith that you have, behind that faith, not in front of it, yeah. behind that faith comes a whole lot of works mm-hmm. that are a result of yeah. that faith. Yep, and I think when we think about faith too, you know, in our culture, especially in in North American Christianity and North American religious culture, sometimes we talk about faith, and, and it it becomes almost this this object, faith itself. You have faith in faith, right? You know, or I, you know, usually around Christmas time, you see, you know, Macy's is famous for this, right? They throw up the star and it's written believe, believe right? Yeah, you have a faith in something, right? Discounts, you know, exactly. Discounts and you know, it's, kids, kids maybe have faith in like a, a Santa Claus type figure or something like that. And this you know, even and works into our songs. What's that yeah. song by, uh, I think it was Cutlass or somebody. They Just that, that theological diaper fire of a song. It was called um, something like That's What Faith Can Do. Yeah. Or something. I remember listening to this song and I'm like, why can't you just say the name of Jesus? Yeah. And they wouldn't do it. It's like, faith can heal. Yeah. Faith can do this. That's what faith yeah. can do. And it's just like, listen, pansy, yeah. say his name. But it was faith and faith. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and one of the things I like, um, uh, one of my favorite theologians, Mr. R.C. Sproul. Oh, he, I thought you were going to say my name there. I'm really well, sad. Like, you, know, you are one of my favorite. Oh, shucks. Yeah, thanks. Um, so uh, R.C. Sproul, w- and, and I'm sure he's he's breaking this down from other ancient fathers, but this is where I where I picked it up from. Um, he breaks down saving faith really into three principal parts. Now, he uses Latin, so those of you who are uh, a little thrown off by that, I'm going to be using it, but I'm also going dis- um, to be defining it a little bit. Dominus, diminus, diminus, diminus. Yeah, exactly. No, it'll be uh, noticia, assessinus, and fiducia. In other words, Noticia, that's like you get a notice, right? News, right? There's something that you have to understand that that is actually newsworthy, right? So I hear something that that I, okay, there, and I have to believe that that is true. So 
Um, for example, I know that because I have, have a knowledge that a, a stool that has four legs, it's built out of hickory, right, most likely will support my girth. I can sit on it and it will not fall apart. Balsa wood would probably fall apart on me, right? You said girth. I know I That's did. That's a great word. Yep. So, so I know that a, a sufficiently constructed stool would, would, would support the weight of me sitting on it, right? Then I also, then part of that transitions to assessing this. I assess the situation. This is a stool that has been constructed in such a way, and so I can sit on that stool, right? And that would support my weight. This wood would support my weight. Then finally, there's a fiducia, a trust or a confidence, right? That high fidelity. You think of a stereo, hi-fi, right? It's it's reproducing something that's accurate. Well, a accurate faith would reproduce into something, an action where I can have trust and confidence in said stool, and so I can then sit down on it. I'm putting my confidence that what I know and I've assessed is true about my life actually is going to happen. And that's where sometimes you look at people and say, well, I have faith too. And James is talking about that. And he says, you know what? Demons have faith too. Yeah, and they, they shudder. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe in God. So does Satan. It doesn't yeah. help him much. Exactly. Because right. he's not, sta- he's not, he's not, he, he may even know and he may have even assessed his own end, but he's not going to place his confidence in what God has designed. In the same way, it's like you may know something, you may have assessed, yeah, this is true about me, and so I. But you've not taken that step where it's like I have to fully trust in what it is. That's sitting down and placing all of your weight. You, know, I love one of the things that you've done on the missions field. You talk about putting all of our weight on that on a single chair, right? Not trying to not trying to hedge my bets. You know, I've got my faith, but I've also got this other thing. If this falls through, me. then I'll yeah. be okay because I'm bracing yeah. myself here. Yeah. No backup plans. Right. So give us the, the three Latins again. Okay. Noticia, assessinus, and fiducia. All right. So that's, that's find out about it. Yep. Believe it. Yep. And then follow it. Yep. Right. Exactly. Now that the, the believing part is the part that actually God says saves us. We are saved by faith mm-hmm. alone. So yep. finding out about the gospel does not save us, right? Hearing it. So if mm-hmm. somebody says, well, I know, I know everything you're telling me already doesn't change a thing, right? Yeah. I don't care if you know it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I want you to believe it. So find out about it, then believe it. At that point, you're born again. Through yeah. faith, we are saved, right? Our faith yeah. saves us, um, which, by the way, we also don't get to take credit for because that's part of a bundle mm-hmm. of gifts of God, right? Yeah. So we find out about it, we believe it, and we're born again, and then that results in we follow it. Now, we can't follow something we don't believe in because Paul makes this very clear that spiritually dead people, this is Ephesians 1 through 10, really, spiritually dead people cannot commit acts of spiritual life. So the faith has to come before the works mm-hmm. or else the works are not pleasing to God. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Romans fourteen twenty three, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. him. So yeah. we cannot do pleasing works to God before we have faith. Yeah. We find out about it. We believe it, and then we do it. Now, what James is saying is, if that fiducia isn't there, if that doing isn't there, you need to go back on the timeline and look at the believing and say, okay, something isn't clicking there. Something hasn't happened yet, and we need to go and evaluate that. In uh, 2 Corinthians 13.5, when Paul says, examine yourselves to see if Christ is in you. Well, how are you supposed to do that, right? One thing you do is you, you check the fruit. 
You inspect the fruit. That's why the book of Galatians gives us, in in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19, you get the fruit of the flesh, and then starting in verse 22, I believe it is, you get the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, compare these things, right? All of 1 John is like this diagnostic for Christians. Hey, if you're not loving like this, then the love of God is not in you. You need to go back and check that believing part because the the result of it isn't there. So to go back to your masterful illustration here, uh, Pastor Ben, I almost called you Bearded Ben. That would have worked also. I'll take that. <laughs> to go back to your illustration, if, if you're not showing any symptoms, you need to go back and see if you actually caught the cold. Yeah. Right? And, and, that, and that, that, that cold, that, those symptoms, they're, gonna, they're a necessary part of it. It's not, but it's, it's, a, it, it's not something that brings us to salvation. It is something that is a direct result of salvation. It's the effect, not the cause. Exactly. Yeah. Usually, it, and another former pastor friend of mine would say, the indicative, what is true about us also then leads to the imperatives. We'll follow them. In other words, the go- if, if, if my trust in the gospel is true and I've laid it all out, then, then when I, when, when I ha- bear these fruits, mm-hmm. there are going to be fruits. So let's go, from, yeah. let's, let's go for the application angle then. Yeah. Um, because if we stop right here, then what people are going to be hearing is, um, okay, so if you're saved now, you better fix up your actions or else you're not really saved, right? So we're going to take this a step further because that by itself would not be good news. That would essentially be Mormonism, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're saved by, uh, if if you ask a Mormon missionary, what's your gospel? Tell me what I must do to be saved. They would say, believe in Jesus and keep the Ten Commandments, right? That's not really good news because we can't keep the Ten Commandments. So if if we believe in Jesus and then it's like, okay, actions ought to result. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the, here's what makes that good news and not just a heavy burden to tie up on your shoulders. Those actions are actually guaranteed by Christ. Amen. So Romans eight twenty nine and 30, it says that, that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, mm-hmm. meaning that those who are saved are on a, a pathway to be conformed to the the likeness of Jesus. So we're going to be God is going to make sure that we are more and more Christ-like as we go. Yeah. Now it's a backwards forwards motion, right? Yep. There's um I like the way Kevin De, uh, Kevin DeYoung described this what we call sanctification, becoming like Christ. He said it's like a guy on a uh, on an escalator with a yo-yo and we're the yo-yo. Yeah. So we're we're going up and down and we have successes and failures and there's moral catastrophes and backsliding and backstepping and uh, mm-hmm. people don't like the word backsliding, but you know what I mean. Like we're going to we're going to go back to old habits sometimes. That doesn't mean we're not saved. We're the yo-yo going up and down, but God's making sure that that escalator is still going in a heavenward direction. Yep. And so you can you can trust him. Yep. So all we're saying with like with, with this whole thing like hey, faith results in action. What we're saying is Submit to what God is already doing and notice it. And be yeah. encouraged because he is yeah. doing it. So Philippians 1. I'm confident in this very thing. Were you going to go there? I'm so sorry. I was going to go to uh, 212, I think. So, good. Okay. Yeah. So I'll hit chapter 1. I am confident of this very thing, verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion of the day of Christ Jesus. So it's God who's actually changing your actions. We just want you to know that like that is what you should be looking for. And if you don't see that, if you don't see any heart change, you don't start loving the things he loves and hating the things he hates, you, uh, the, the old sin that used to give you pleasure, now it's just like really unfulfilling all of a sudden. Like what's yeah. going on here? That's what that is. And that heart yeah. change leads to certain action change. So you don't need to muster up the moral energy to yeah. act like Jesus, but you do need to just go ahead and submit to what he's doing because if you're saved, he's doing it. Yeah. And I think that there's, and, and, and this is an interesting balance because Paul does say in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but so much more in my absence, 
work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if I stop right there, that's yes. terrifying, yes. right? But reading on, because the sentence doesn't end, there's a comma. So going into verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, or work, will and to work for his good pleasure. And I think it's one of the important things when we talk about it. Faith itself is also a gift of God, right? This change. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is a promise right there. And then, then we have even the will to work these things out. I'm going to rest and trust that I'm going to, there's a whole side of this where when we look at what God has done, does that not cause us to tremble? There you go. Now, can I pause here and, and, I want you to pick up right there, but I want to straighten yeah. out a very common misconception about this verse so yes. that people are understanding this. Um, usually when we hear Philippians 2.12 quoted, like, hey, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, mm-hmm. that's used to mean, hey, you need to figure out who God is to you. Mm-hmm. You need to work out your own salvation, yeah. right? You need to figure out your idea of God and then go live your truth. That is not what he's saying. What he's saying is if there is a salvation there in your heart, you need to go ahead and let it come out of your hands as mm-hmm. well. Like live out. You know, work out what is already there. It doesn't mean figure it out. So the, the, sometimes the jargon with our slang of working things out for ourselves, that can get some people into yeah. a bit of a jam. So live out what is true. Make, um, let the external truths conform with the internal reality of your salvation. For that internal reality was just God working in us to work and to will. And that, that's an important aspect of it. God, there, there are aspects of when we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, there are, you know, like you had mentioned, there are things that are not going to be pleasurable anymore. Yep. I, I have had numerous conversations with people who have come to faith and the same old false idols, whatever those were, whether it was drugs, whether it was sex, whether it was whatever, it is, just not satisfying as much I anymore. told a story recently, and I can't remember if it was on a podcast episode or not. Anyway, so if you guys have heard this before, I'm sorry. I'll be short about it just in case this is, you know, old, old uh, ground here. But yeah, I was talking to a guy who, you know, he became a Christian and then he broke up with his girlfriend or she broke up with him or something. And then he was like, I was so sad and I didn't hear from him for a while. For a while. I was like, where you been, dude? And he was off drinking again and hooking up with all kinds of girls because that's what he used to do to make himself feel better. And he's talking to me now and he's like, I know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And I know God doesn't want me drinking and I know God doesn't want me sleeping around. I just, I fell off the, the, the wagon, man. And you know, whatever. And I was like laughing, right? Which... Drunkenness and fornication is not a laughing matter, but I thought this was particularly hilarious because what he what he said was like, I was like, well, do you feel better? He was like, no, I feel worse. And I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah. dude, it's funny because now you can't enjoy the sin you used yeah. to enjoy anymore. You got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, which is a really kind of terrifying thought. It's kind of creepy. And Paul gets into this in 1 Corinthians like 7 through 9. He says, shall I join the, the members of Christ to a prostitute? May it never be. Yeah. It's like you got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you and you're out there sleeping around. So the question is, while, while, you, while you are committing fornication, is God having as much fun as you are? Because you're dragging him right into the middle of it. Yeah. And that's a disgusting thought because it's a disgusting reality, yeah. right? And so you just can't enjoy sin the same way anymore. God's like the Holy Spirit's inside of you going, ew, no stop it. Yeah. You can't shut him up. Yeah. And, and, and when we, when we think about these fruits, especially as what the result of it is, we can't get beyond even just the fruit of repentance, right? Faith will, there's, there's a flip there. There's a, this thing doesn't satisfy anymore. I can't go this direction anymore. Let's define repentance for me. Repentance is, well, I mean, it comes from the word metanoia, which means to think above, right? Which is, there's a changing of the mind, right? There is a changing of the mind of, uh, whereas previously I thought this way and I was walking this direction 
And now I'm thinking completely differently, and that has resulted in a completely different walk in a different direction. Oftentimes, it's being it's being called a 180 turn. That that certainly would fit. But the idea is now my mind and my, my mind has changed. It is a changing of the mind. And so when it comes to when when it comes to repentance, I used to, you know, smoke, drink, and chew, and run with girls that do. And and now I don't. Now again, that's not. I'm not saying that that's the definition of godliness here. What I'm saying is that that would be a change of mind. These things used to control me. These things used to ha- used to run my life. I used to run this direction, and now I am pursuing things which my God has said are better. Yeah, and I'm running well, for Him. And the truth is, guys, you don't always say what you believe, but you're always going to live what you believe, yep. right? Um, I, I remember one time I was watching a. Uh, it was one of those commercials where they guilt trip you into giving money to a charity that um, you don't know if they're using the money well or not. They might be, but then every now and then one of them gets busted. And it's like, yeah. I, I don't want to give money to this charity yet because I don't know what they're all about. And then they look at you and they're like, you still haven't given yet? How dare you? Don't you see this hungry child? And then you get mad, right? So I'm, I'm watching this commercial and it was in India and there's a mother on camera and there's subtitles because they're interviewing her. And she's poor and emaciated and all this stuff. It's horrible poverty, right? And she's like, I just don't have any food to feed my children. And in the shot, I see a big cow walking behind her, right? And I'm like, Kill the cow! But she won't kill the cow. Why? Because, and she's sitting there saying, I would do anything to feed my children. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't because there's a big source of protein right behind you, but you're not going to do it because your religion says no. So you don't always say what you believe, but you always live what you believe. And that's why a change of mind isn't like... When, we can't just look at the, the dictionary definition of a word and say, okay, that's the whole thing. Because, yeah, metanoia means a change of mind. The truth is, guys, change of minds result in change of action. And if there's no change in action, you need to go back and reevaluate if your mind is actually changed yeah. or if you're just making yourself feel better with, you know, with an association with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? We get this all the time as pastors. People will try and justify their, their sin by getting us to agree to it. It's like, if well, if they can get the pastor nodding, they got the nod from God, right? Yeah. If, if the Jesus guy says, I'm good, then I'm good. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, no, you can't run off with your secretary. You know? No. I, I feel a peace about it. Yeah. I prayed about it and I feel a peace. Yeah. No. Um, but I, even if you think about it, right. When, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when we change our, like, I love it. What you, what, what we always say at church, you know, what happens when you and God get into a, a disagreement? Yeah. What do you do when you disagree with God? Change you your mind. Change your mind. Right. And, and why is that? Because, he get that this really boils down to again when when there's a change of kingdoms you think of Romans chapter uh chapter Romans 10 9 and 10 right you have when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is lord now we usually say okay well that just means i get to say something out loud but the content of that word Jesus is Lord, Christos Kyrios, that means a lot more. It means he gets to be king over my life. That means that what he wrote down and what this 2000-year-old carpenter said, guess what? That applies to me. Not yeah. only does it apply to me, but it, it is authoritative in my life. And so I am now submitting to following after that guy. And we're talking about covenantal speech here. In 1 yeah. Corinthians 15, when Paul says, nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except yeah. by the Spirit, he doesn't. He obviously doesn't mean that nobody can form the words with their physical lips yeah. and tongue. What he's saying here is the same as if you were saying, um, like, like in a, a marriage context, you can't say, I do, until there's a ring. Yep. Right. And until there's a, 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 a pastor and witnesses and all of this, like marriage is a thing. Yeah. Well, of course, everybody's formed the words I do. But what he's saying is you're not married. Like you, you, yeah. you are not a member of the family of God 
by confession. And if, if you try, your confession is worthless until it's by the Spirit. You know, the interesting, you mentioned that, right? You think about marriage. Marriage is a form of repentance in the sense of, like, I had girlfriends, but now I don't. I have one, one right? There is, a, there, there is an extreme commitment to one person for life. Yeah. That's it. And so I reject all others. I was not committed to this one person. Now I'm turning away from all of that, and I'm focusing all of that yep. other, all that energy on this one person. And before God and everybody else, I mean, when I made that commitment to my dear beloved wife, Cricket, twenty almost twenty seven years ago, you're old. I, I know I am. I really <laughs> am. But but man, I tell you, that was a, a there a, a before. Yeah, I had plenty of girlfriends, and I'm not. Yeah, but but the how, but I believe yeah, it. Is, you're yeah. stud, stud muffin. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I just want to clarify: you're old. She's not. No, no. There it's, you go. There's something mystical and magical. I preserve about my that. life. Exactly. Just yes. So she. So so when I committed, it was a commitment. It was in in many ways, it was a turning from a life of being a bachelor. Mm-hmm. And there were there were things that that then changed as a necessary result of it. My, I mean, my affections were already upon my wife and were set upon my wife way You're moving that, that direction. Yeah. yeah. But but now it was like okay, well, my time is now spent. I, I devote time. Look at how your relationships with your guy friends changes. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, absolutely. Oh, I tell this to every, every person that I ever see get married. Usually, I'm like, oh, I'll see you like in six months or something like yeah, that. You know, yeah. you know, if we go out for coffee, it's going to be like, you know, maybe in three or four months. I say, I'll, I'll see yeah. you in 15 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> because, because there is a, a radical change. The same thing with children, but it, but but I think predominantly first the first part is, look, you've just gotten married. Your attention is to be at home. Well, that and that's biblical. The Here's a principle in Deuteronomy where it says, for the first year of marriage, men do yeah. not go off to war. Yeah. Right? You um, you stay home. Now, you got to do the things you got to do to survive. Um, you know, you go work the field and stuff like that. Yeah. But you clear the slate of other yes. obligations because you take the first year at home and you focus on yeah. your marriage. There's a change of mind that results in a change of action. I've yes. never heard that analogy there as marriage being repentance, but I think that's phenomenal. That goes yeah. deep. And... You know, the cool thing is that it is, it, by design, it's supposed to be a heart-level thing. Ooh, so I'm, I'm working with this girl one time. Uh, we were working at Costco. I was in college. And we're in the break room. And um, she, she she wasn't a Christian. Um, her and her boyfriend wound up, uh, you know, having a baby on the way. And so then they got married because there was, like, family pressure. But they didn't really value marriage, right? Yeah. So they were married, but it was kind of a sad situation to me. I'm just like, ah, oh, that's not, like, the fullness of what God designed marriage for, mm-hmm. you know? But it, whatever. So she's still out partying and, and, you know, going out to bars and stuff. Her husband was getting a little bit upset because he's at home with the baby while she's out. And she, like, it didn't click in her mind that her life needs to change because she's a wife and a mom now. She's got domestic yeah. obligations mm-hmm. that she didn't have before. And so she literally makes this statement to me, and I'm just looking at her like, Listen to stupid to live. How can that even come out of your mouth? And what she says is, why? Just because I got a family at home means I can't go out and have a good time on weeknights anymore? And I'm like, yes! <laughs> you, yeah, you know, exactly. you stay at home and have good right. times or put in the hard work when it's not a good time and whatever. But like, yes, you have yeah. to change your behavior or else, yeah. you know, you're, you're missing the entire point of what you've just entered into. Yeah. And so, and, and again, as we, as we look at this, right, repentance is a necessary aspect of faith but again let's not let let's you know just dear listeners you're hearing this you're, you're hearing a lot of do but that's because of what's already been done well let's yeah. push the analogy then yeah. because if you if you start doing the actions of marriage without the actual marriage having happened first yeah god says that's sin yeah right so the action doesn't lead to the reality the reality leads to the action yeah so faith leads towards repentance yeah now 
Let's get specific about it. What kind of stuff do people need to repent of? What are some specific actions? And I say this because you brought up a really great point. Mm-hmm. That it was like, it, it doesn't mean, you know, stop drinking. Now you're actually a Christian, right? Yeah. <laughs> you ever see those, uh, like those, the, the, the fundamentalist fundamentalism as a movement popped up in, in the Western world and especially in America, roughly at the same time as prohibition did. Mm-hmm. And so you get like fundamentalism and not drinking alcohol became the same thing, right? Yep. So you see these pictures or these videos of like three-year-old girls out, you know, with their, with their dads protesting alcohol because it's of the devil. And so they, I remember one, it, it was a, a sign that she was holding and she said, lips that touch liquor will never touch mine. <laughs> did you see the picture too? I was like, a girl, I don't want to touch those. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, she's only three. She might grow into that nose, but dang, right? But yeah, lips that touch liquor will never touch mine. And I'm like, this is not Christianity, right? And there was like a, a Bible verse on the bottom of it. So something has been missed here. You know, we're, we're substituting the action for the reality. And so we're not just saying, hey, you need to just give up a bunch of stuff. So here's what we're saying. Here, here's the kind of thing you need to repent of. I'll, I'll leave a, um, I'll, I'll uh, leave this out here as a, as a skeleton, as kind of a grid for interpreting this. And then maybe we can throw some specific actions on it. God is bringing you into something. The moment you're saved, he's got good works planned out for you that you might walk before them. And the stuff that you're going to repent of is anything that gets in the way of his mission for your life. Yeah. And so it's not just a, it's not like, it's not so strict as I'm going to adopt this moral code and just say no to these things and I'll be fine. Now there are things the Bible just says absolutely no. Yep. No to like, you're not going to fornicate anymore. No. The answer is no. <laughs> right? Not for like, you. Yeah. Sometimes it is that simple, but in general, it's, it's, uh, it's more of a thing like, look, God's got plans for you. And there's certain things in the local body of Christ and in your home and things like that. And in society that he's equipped you to do that. He hasn't equipped anybody else to do. Yeah. And it's only you that can get these things done the way he wants them done. Yeah. So you're going to clear the slate of anything that's going to get in the way of that. And it could be anything. And it could yeah. be, you might have to repent of things that would get in the way for you that would not get in the way for other people. Yeah. Maybe not everybody needs to stop playing video games, but you you stop playing video games because yeah. they're going to hinder you from the work that God has for yeah. you to do. Well, I think it's interesting because you're getting back, back to that heart idea, right? What are we repenting from? Well, I would say at first, I would repent that I have put a God over God. There you go. You know, I need to repent of either my own personal deity mm-hmm. or I need to repent of believing in it or trusting in a different deity. Which is the first commandment. Yeah, exactly. So I'm repenting from that and I'm pretending I don't. And and the second thing, right, maybe it's a part of that that same idea is I'm repenting. I am no longer in charge of my own life. Mm-hmm. That is huge. So Christ for, is Lord. Exactly. Therefore, I'm not. Therefore, I'm not. So if it's if it's video games, because that was the well I would dive into when I needed that 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 sense of security, right? Or if it was money, man, I look at my retirement package and I'm just I feel better. Yeah. Repent from that. Yeah. Right? Or in conservative Christian circles, especially when times are tough, if I have one more AR-15, I'm safe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I realize, like, I've with one foot, I'm stepping on both of our toes right here. Oh, right? absolutely! But that's no. that's a thing. Like, where do you go to make it okay? And if that's anywhere yeah. other than Christ, we need to yeah. lay that aside. And even sometimes, um, you know, we've 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 both been to areas where, like, even our our friends, the, the, the our friends that hold the street signs, right, where they will say, "I feel safe" or "I feel good" because I have been in a spot where I've been able to yell at people or yeah. I've been able to. To hold to something, and then I've been persecuted. I you feel know? morally yeah. justified because somebody called me a jerk loudly in public. I have suffered like Christ. Yeah. And it's like, no, you were actually a jerk in public. Yeah, and 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 
you know, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses had that same idea. I did these things. I got this main door slammed in my face. I went into the, you know, yeah. those things became, um, those, they became handholds for, for some kind of sense of self-worth. It's righteousness. Some, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I am righteous because I have done yes. the right things. We Resting need to repent in my own righteousness. Repent of it all and say, no, no, my righteousness rests solely on Jesus. And so everything, all my confidence, everything goes on him. So then I can walk in the ways that he's called me to. I need to surrender those things. Mm-hmm. If, if, if it's going to the bottle because that makes me feel better, then okay, yeah, repent of that, mm-hmm. right? And it go to Christ if it's if it's sex because man, that just makes that that makes me feel better, right? And releasing those endorphins exactly. in your brain is what makes right? you feel okay, and, and the sense of conquest or whatever may come out of it, right? Now that needs to be repented of, and you need to run to Christ. Is it he, too late to give a per, uh, parental advisory on this? Uh, I think it's way too late to give a parental late. advisory. Yeah, so you're gonna have to censor this one. Yeah, yeah sorry. Hey, Cens- uh, producer Tim. <laughs> producer Tim, help! No. Get out in front of this. Hey, now we're gonna find out if Tim listens to every episode before he posts them. Oh, you are not okay. That just happened. All right. Okay. And, and sometimes what we find out with Christians a lot of times is um, like this is a sneaky one, and so yeah. I want to bring this up so that we're all aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll kind of read off our own resume a lot. Yes. And, and like you know, I, I feel okay about myself. And let me tell you the reasons why. And so when somebody, yeah. when a Christian is talking about their accomplishments a whole lot or their skills a whole lot or whatever, um, that's that's a red flag if you catch yourself doing that. Like, am I trusting in something else to be okay other than, am I trusting in my actions or my resume somehow yeah. to be okay rather than just trusting that like, look, when Jesus provided his blood over my sin, that is what made me okay with God. Yeah. And all of my okayness needs to come from that. Yes. So when you say, you know, Pastor Ben, when you say, you know, trusting in Christ for my righteousness, let me put that in a different, uh, different verbiage. Same thing is that God is pleased with me because the work of Christ applies to me, yes. not because of anything that I've done. Now he may be pleased or displeased with my actions in, in any given moment. I want to like, you know, you can grieve is, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. This is second yeah. Corinthians four, right? Like we make it our aim to please him. Yeah. Galatians one, he says, I'm a servant of God. So I'm trying to please God. So God can be pleased or displeased with our actions, but that's not a, a judgment on us as people, like an eternal, here's your value in me, or you are now less valuable in my eyes because of your actions. That was all taken care of on the cross. And if, we are, if we're trusting our okayness to anything else other than the fact that Jesus' blood covered our sins, we need to repent of that. Yeah, And here's the blessing of that. Just think about this, right? With all this, if Christ is all of my okayness, if he is all my righteousness, then I can walk in these things that God has planned for me to do, these good works in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And you know what? Maybe I'm not successful in the, in, as, as successful as I think I, I yep. am, right? Maybe I've shared the gospel with somebody and I messed up the words. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I going to incur judgment for that? No, it's already placed on the cross, right? Yeah. Are there things that I can learn? Sure, absolutely, right? But but when it comes down to it, where is my rest? Where is my trust? It's already been procured. In fact, if I'm reading 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, God himself is keeping it. Mm-hmm. God himself is, and it's not going to fade it away. It's undefiled. Yeah, it's undefiled, sometimes despite my best efforts. Okay, so let's, let's run it. <laughs> That's exactly right. I have tried everything I can to screw up my relationship with God, and he just keeps preserving me. Okay, so let, let's run a scenario. Uh, we get in an argument with, with one of us. I'll just use myself here. I get in an argument with my wife. I lose my cool. And I say something terrible, and I say it in a terrible tone to my wife. All right? Mm-hmm. I have sinned. Now, 
Is God going to cast me away from his eternal presence, exit me from his family, undo my adoption, and kill my reborn, you know, born-again, regenerate self because I have sinned? No, I am secure in Christ because that sin was already nailed to the cross, Colossians 2, and the record of wrong against me has been wiped out. Mm -hmm. So I am eternally okay before God even Mm -hmm. though I have sinned. Now, I need to trust that. I need to believe that. I need to take comfort in that and not be afraid that God is going to throw me away. I need to believe Mm -hmm. the gospel. Then... I need to take some action. Amen. Right? So I need to go and straighten the... I'm, I'm good now on a horizontal level. I need to bring my sin to God and say, I have sinned and you have forgiven me. Thank you for your forgiveness. I need to go on... And I, know, I think I said that wrong. I need to go on a vertical level and and um, confess my sin, but I'm good on a vertical level between me and God. Amen. Now the command is that I go straighten things out on a horizontal yes. level with my with my wife. Um, first Peter three, seven, Matthew five, 23 and 24, uh, even like some stuff in Hebrews 12, like, Hey, count her needs is more significant than your mm-hmm. own. Right. Um, uh, Ephesians five, uh, you know, 22 and following yep. all of these things say you got some work to do now. Yep. Now that work isn't going to make you okay with God, but it's mandatory from God. And you're going to go and get that done. So Christian, get your rear in gear yep. and go apologize to your wife. And repentance is a good work, by the way. Oh, nice. Go yeah, for you it, sit baby. There, you, you, when, when we get, I mean, think about this, right? In front of your family, I've done this with my children when I have lost my cool in front of all of them, right? And I've had to go before my children and say, you know what? Your dad needs Jesus just as much as you do. And so... I have, I, I'm coming to you confessing my sin. And you know what? I'm even going to go deeper. It wasn't just a sin against you. It was a sense, it was a sin against a holy God that would have merited me eternal damnation. I wanted to be God in my own house. Mm-hmm. And instead, I am now, I'm, I'm trusting that Christ took that to the cross and I'm, and I don't want to be that way. And I'm going to trust that even here now, this is part of that process of, God changing me by being completely open on it. And you know what? I am absolutely guilty of losing my temper. I'm absolutely guilty of misrepresenting God to you. Absolutely guilty of not speaking in a way which is kind and not yeah. and not using words to build you up as, as I'm called to by Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse like uh, 32 and so forth, right? You know, all of these things, I, I and I'll, I'll lay it all out. In fact, our repentance can be deeper and in some ways a little bit harder, because we're diving in and we're unearthing all of totally. those evils that still exist within our heart, all that corruption, and we're saying, I want to burn this out. Just to be clear, guys, uh, what Pastor Ben is giving us here is an, is an explanation of what he's saying. What you should not do is... Um, turn every time you screw up in your house into a sermon for your kids please don't yeah <laughs> right don't, don't don't take a transcript of what he just said next time you you lose your cool be like children i have something to say and then unroll a 40 foot scroll but <laughs> but when you go when you go to your kids and say kids i sinned against god and against you i need jesus just like you can you please forgive me right totally. that, that is that's what that is is psalm 51 that's david showing us what repentance yeah. looks like we're doing that for our precisely kids yeah it's it's a beautiful yeah. thing and and kids need to see that because they learn repentance by modeling mm-hmm. um and they learn not to repent well and think about what kind of when a dads picture, don't apologize yeah. and think about what kind of a picture that is even just a christian's repentance whether it's in front of their family in front of their neighbors what is that saying about the gospel come on now you know it's like uh, i'm i'm trusting in the forgiveness that's already granted to me not based upon my work and i am also freed to open myself up and to say, look, this was wrong and I want to run from it. And mm-hmm. I am now choosing to run from it by calling it what it is. Mm-hmm. These are, these are aspects of the gospel. So sometimes we don't want to necessarily show the, the ugliness 
of our past. Do it. And said, and said, it's like, no, no, no. Here is the ugliness of my past. You think of that? I think it's uh, Paul in First Timothy, right? He says, for I was once. Da-da-da. Is that Second Timothy? Uh, well, yeah. Was once so, a blasphemer. Right, right. And, first Timothy 1. Yeah, yeah so the, first Timothy yeah. 1. So he says, I was once all of these things. Chief of sinners. Yeah, chief. And, and you know, it's Actually, funny. Actually, that's Second Timothy 1 also. He does it twice. Yeah. Because, yeah, in First Timothy 1, he says the law is good if it's used lawfully. It's used for people like this. And then he gets yeah. into, and then Second Timothy is his former manner of yes, Judaism. That's, that's what I'm, I am... Yeah. Way far off the rails here. Go ahead. No, that's what... Ba- bail out the listeners, man. No, 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 no. That, that, that's the point, is that Paul was... He boasted all the more yeah. in, in what he was before Christ found him. And then he says, this is what happened. Christ yeah. did it. So when, we, when, when I repent, even in front of my neighbors, when I lose my temper with my neighbor over a fence or whatever, I go to them and I repent. And I I'm say, really I'm sorry. sorry I put that fence plank yeah. across your face. And you got to admit it was a good shot, but <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. That self-congratulatory repentance, you know, that's, that's that kind yeah, of thing where it's like, that. yeah, no, let's not do that. It's like, it's like, I'm sorry if I hurt your, your yeah. sensitive, tiny little snowflake, little girl feelings. Um, that was, that was my bad. I should have realized that you're a weaker person than me. Oh yeah. That's and, great. Yeah. I'll right. Go exactly. with that. Yeah. So that's, that's the point guys. Like, go with that. Repentance is actually giving yeah. up your sin, not justifying yeah. it with, and, and covering it with stuff. Let me give you a little bit of encouragement here, guys. Um, one of the best things that you can do to get started with repentance is just say it, right? Mm-hmm. You say it before God, and then you say it before people, whoever it is that you've sinned against or whoever it is that, you know, is your your trusted inner circle or your spouse or whatever. I've got this saying that it has always been true for me. When you shine the light, the cockroaches scatter. And sin tends to lose its power over you, that that shame that it holds over you, where it's like, you better keep that to yourself because people will think less of you. If you just bite the bullet and say it, yep. I mean, there is such a thing as appropriate self-disclosure. You got to say it to the right people at the right time. But if you look for a good opportunity to tell somebody that you have sinned and you've already you know, confessed it to God in detail, out loud is helpful just to force yourself to do it, um, then sin really does lose its power over you. One of the ways that this works really well, I teach young guys this, when they're struggling with, with lust, call me, at, at, I don't care if it's 2 a.m., you call me and you tell me that you're having all kinds of trouble with lust and you can't get on top of it. I will pray with you and it's going to get better. And it always does, you yep. know, because when you shine a light, the cockroaches scatter. So one Man. of the best ways to repent, even if you feel like you you are not strong enough to give up this particular action just say it to somebody, man. God mm-hmm. created the community for stuff like this. We're called to confess our sins to one another. Yeah, man. Right? Yeah, we're not your your priests in the sense that we can forgive them, but we can we can help you suck the power away from sin. That's what we do. We're brothers, man. We lock arms, we fight this stuff, and we win. And that's what I mean. Honestly, that's what Christians do. We, we're not, like I like what you said. We're not priests that we don't uh, we don't absolve it. We actually would just point you to the one who does absolve it. Yeah, we can <laughs> we can help you. Like we we shoulder one another's burdens. Exactly. We, we'll carry your sin with you straight to the cross and and just watch you get the life sucked out of it, which Amen. is beautiful. Now here's what I'm gonna do. Instead of doing the normal outro thing, you know that one, like right, right there. I'm gonna find. Hold on a second. Nope, that's not it. No, that's me. Nope, next me. All right, there's what I'm gonna do. Instead of the normal outro, okay, we're just gonna have a celebration tune that our sin has been taken care of. Oh yeah, and I'm gonna put on a jam here that you guys will get to because I know a lot of you guys are driving and the weather's getting nice outside. I want you to roll down your windows and for the next few minutes, just let this sucker rock and just be thankful that God has taken away your sin and be in a good mood. Jesus deserves disciples.
we love because he first loved us. 